All right, hello everyone and welcome to Dopio. Uh, regulars, welcome back. First timers, what is this? Uh, well, Dopio is a double shot of espresso to wake you up. I'm Dante. I'm Daniel. And we are the Dopio duo that's serving up a fresh cup of knowledge and thought provoking content for you today. Um, but first, uh, my father, how are you doing? I'm doing good, and I'm doing great. Um, great start of the week. The weather's not too bad over here. It's a little cooler than I uh, would hope for this time of the year. But uh, I can't complain, man. How's life treating you? Uh, Japan life is pretty good. Um, I mean, the weather is great. Uh, I'm getting used to this telework thing. I don't know. It's going to be hard <laughs> to go back. Um, right. So I've been, uh, I've been doing a bunch of content creation for the podcast. Uh, we have a couple new things coming um, for the podcast and then uh, some things for the YouTube channel um, to really get things rolling. So um, yeah. it, it's an uh, interesting time to be alive. That's for certain. Um, yeah, 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 and, definitely. Yeah, and, F, and, and like just seeing what's going on in the news, I'm, I'm every day, like I'm, I'm thankful to be alive. Um, sadly to say like that, that, message kind of gets taken for granted a little bit like being thankful for being here um but i certainly feel that way yeah i um i saw a little meme today uh i can't remember where the format it was on but a um and it kind of goes along to what we'll be discussing today but um showed this uh police officer leaning over talking to this little uh black kid and uh, he asked him, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the little kid said a lot. That's crazy. So, I mean, when you say I'm thankful to be alive, I get that. That resonates, you know. Um, and I'm sure that it resonates with a lot of parents, you know, who have uh, young black men and young black women as uh, sons and daughters, you know. As yeah. well as sons and daughters who are you know, living a, um, you know, just going through this normal life, you know, not necessarily living a bad life or an extreme life, or just everyday yeah. life. Yeah. And I think like, I think that kind of gets lost. The idea that we should, um, in our everyday lives feel, um, thankful and you know, that like, it's sad that, uh, it's sad that these days, like, it's like, Oh wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I should be thankful for that. It's even sadder that, that little kids are thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but uh, I was sitting on the deck earlier today, and I finally completed all the home improvements. All the painting, all the, the deck staining, everything is done, you know. Nice. So I was taking a moment to sit on the deck and enjoy not having anything to do. And uh, <laughs> the wind was blowing, and uh, it, it and it was like a nice breeze, and it struck me. I like, man, you know, that particular breeze felt familiar. It was refreshing. It was, it was a uh, almost a uh, some type of freedom that came along with it, you know. And in that moment, I had to say thank you, you know, just to be able to feel a breeze on my face and not to have any serious concerns. You know, yeah. and I can't say that it's always been like that, but to go along and, and piggyback on what you're talking about, you know, truly grateful, you know, and I truly believe that 
gratitude is something that you see in your attitude. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a that's a great point. And so that brings us into uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Um, today we're going to be talking about, or what we're going to begin talking about. Um, is, of course, the Ahmad Aubrey situation. But in the context of a larger topic, we're going to be talking about being black. And I've been black my whole life, born black, going to die black. Um, no Michael Jackson over here. Um, right. So I, I, I have some subject, I'm kind of a subject matter expert on being black. Um, but um, I think that this would be um, really interesting for people who not just the people who are not of color, um, but every black experience is a different experience. And I can tell you being black in Japan and being black in America are two different experiences completely. Um, but just being black in today's era uh, has its um, has advantages and, and man does it have its disadvantages. Um, and none more obvious than safety and uh, we have um, the Ahmad Albury situation where simply jogging is dangerous um, for a black man. Um, and not just for the black man's life, but his character. And, and that's what, what you saw today. Um, do you want to introduce what they were talking about with the video that they just released of Albury today? Yeah, uh, exactly. Um, when you say character, that, that is very important because once you've been, um, and I'm just going to say it, executed, um, you can no longer speak for yourself, you yeah. know. So therefore, anything that's put out there, um, you know, outside of what family members say, you know, is a hit towards your character. And today, um, video was released uh, showing that you know he was jogging down the street, but he stopped and he went into uh, a house that was under construction, you know. Yeah. And from the image, um, it just shows him standing, looking in the house, uh, inside the house looking. Um, it appeared, and I couldn't be wrong, but it appeared that the house was being built, you know, so yeah. to say. So it wasn't like, you know, some people were having painters over. Uh, nobody was living in the home. You know, yeah. the home wasn't even livable from the image that I was using. So uh, I guess someone's ring camera from the doorbell uh, captured the image of him standing in there from across the street. Uh, yeah. I have ring, and I don't know who they got their ring from, but that was a hell of an image. I can barely see down my damn driveway with my ring. <laughs> they had an excellent image, and it just showed him standing there. Then he left and went running down the street. The report read that he did this periodically, and I can only assume, and yes, this is only speculation and assumption, that he was probably checking it out to see what type of... Um, progress was being made you know yeah uh, the curiosity um, aspects of it you know so um the homeowners they went on to say that they had been aware that he was looking that uh they had no connections to the name is escaping me i want to say mccall but the the people that executed it, the uh, yeah. father and son that executed him, they had no connections and by no means were they um seeking to tarnish the man's name however um, the article went on to read that uh, they introduced words, buzzwords that, you know, those of us in the black community are familiar with when they said that you're trespassing, that you are illegally putting yourself on other people's property, so on and so forth. So 
although the article read kind of kind of bland like, but it also led one to believe or to assume that something nefarious was going on, that he may have been trespassing or he may have been doing something, even though the outliers and the outliers were saying that he wasn't. So, uh, yeah. that's what, and you know, when you say character, that's exactly what they were uh, attacking. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, when I was a kid there, like, I, um, I grew up all over the place, but, um, like, when I, I was living in South Carolina, they were building a bunch of houses in this area. Um, it was a new upcoming, like, middle-income families building homes. Um, uh-huh. And there were tons of open construction sites around me. And as kids, we used to love going into the house and seeing how they're building them and, and, and just hanging out there. And just, because we were curious. I mean, you right. gotta think, like, if you're not from that lifestyle, or even if you don't even live in that area, uh-huh. It's interesting to see how people build houses and things like that. So, you know, the the shooting aside, like, you know, it it's sad that it's dangerous to be curious. Um, and, and so, like, I know it has nothing to do with why they shot him. Obviously, they didn't say, oh, well, we saw him at this site and blah, blah, blah. They killed him over a bunch of, a bunch of bike robberies, allegedly, um, which I didn't see a bike on him. T-shirt wasn't wow. having a bike under it. So, like, I mean, I can go into, like, why I'm raging about that um, all day. Uh, but this video adds nothing to it except for fuel for the fire of whataboutism. Well, what about what he was doing in this house over here? Uh, okay. Um, let's say he was trespassing. It's a penalty for trespassing uh, execution. No. No. Uh, like, it, and, and to a greater... In, in, a, in a more broader sense, um, when are we going to actually allow black men to defend themselves and defend their character by being a lie? Um, and again, like this is why, like I wanted to talk about being black because I just don't think people get it. I think they think they get it, like. But if I were to ask any person, hey. You're going to have to switch places with me. You're going to have to be black in America. um, And I'm going to get to be whatever you are in America. And would you like, or are you happy with this trade? And they, I would, you would be hard pressed to find someone. I mean, I'm a good looking guy, but you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody that's going to like that trade. And we need to start examining why. And it's funny that you say that because um, I remember watching a video um, and it was just this little old white lady giving this lecture. I can't remember her name, but she was, it was something to the effect of unpacking. I know who you're talking about. I know exactly who you're talking about. And and, and at the end of her lecture, she was saying, who in here by show of hands would want to be black? No one raised their hand. Quick. You know, they know. They know um, being a black man or being black, period, you know, being, you know, black, period, um, is different than being any other nationality. I'm going to say it in the world, not just here in America, in the world. Um, the things that black parents have to do in order to prepare their children and the things that black children have to be aware of 
almost before the age of any other nationality is aware of anything, or any other race is aware of anything, um, is astounding. You know, you I can't remember a time, honestly, and, and like you, son, I've, I've been black all my life as well. Uh, yeah. I can't remember a time that I didn't walk into a room and do a instinctive head cap. You know, how many? You know, and some yep. people may hear that and say like, "Oh, you, you you just hung up on the issue of being right of race." And I and I'm in full agreement that race is a social construct, but we yeah. live in a society that that feeds off of social constructs. You know, that exist and and the economics and the systems are built off of social constructs. So yeah. when someone tries to diffuse racism um, by saying, well, it's only a social construct, but our society is based on social constructs. And that social construct is getting people killed. I mean, that social co construct is the basis by which we make legislative decisions, we make judicial decisions, we make um, every little decision that people make is based on those social constructs. And you can't tell me, I was a child, you cannot tell me that when I didn't walk into a store, people didn't did not look at me like with that same kind of or with that suspicion. Like and they didn't they didn't look at every kid that same way. Why? Because the social construct has taught them that they need to be suspicious of me because of the color of my skin. Now they can say, well, statistically, like in my area, these people are usually the ones that are the ones that are stealing. Are they? Or has the social construct made like made the legal uh, system seek those people out disproportionately, despite the fact that everyone of a certain age group probably does this kind of thing? Right. Or has social construct created barriers in communities that will not allow individuals to live the kind of lifestyle that will prevent them from having to commit crimes for them to survive? Exactly. This is social construct too. Yeah. So I think that people need to really open their eyes and stop using these petty little excuses like, oh, it's a social construct or my favorite, my favorite slash least favorite is, mm -hmm. well, um, there's bad things on both sides. Now, mm -hmm. I, you know, poor is poor, poor is poor. So there are bad things on both sides of the black poor and the white poor, absolutely. However, there is no fear associated with being white and being poor. However, there is a fear associated with being black and being poor, absolutely. So I think that people need to kind of get away from that idea that, um, that there's some sort of equivalence um, between no. us, there's not. And, and that's the point. Exactly. And and the difference, and I'm just going to insert this and you can go ahead, but the difference between the black poor and the white poor is that black poor is just black poor. White poor is still sprinkled with white privilege. You know, you can be poor and white and still have privileges that blacks don't. You know what yep. I'm saying? You can have, you can go into the store and not be harassed or, you know, or whatever the case may be. You know, you can still drive down the street or even stand on the corner waiting for an Uber or a bus or whatever the case may be and not have the police roll up on you and ask you, 
What you doing in this neighborhood? Well, what's your yeah. business around? My son, let me see your ID so I can see your address. You know, things of that nature. See, people don't realize, people, when you hear the word white privilege, people think, oh, well, just because I'm white doesn't mean just because I got this job isn't white privilege. Or just because, you know, I was able to go to a decent college doesn't mean, no, white privilege is, is to me, is basically you get to exist without any discriminatory or any vices holding you back by the, by the root of your skin color. You know, yeah. black people don't have that. You know, and I'll, I'll take it a step further on that privilege part. Um, per, like, I usually hear whenever I hear the idea of white privilege, and I, I'm not going to just harp on, on white people this entire show. I want to talk about being black, not being white. Um, sure. But, like, the, the thing about privilege that I always hear the argument against it is, well, oh, well, I wish I could cash in my white privilege so I didn't have to do this. I wish I could cash in my white privilege so I didn't have to do that. Um, I think that it's important to realize that it's a privilege not to have to think. It's a Mm. privilege not to have to wonder. It's a privilege not to fear. And people say, oh, well, you're deciding to be afraid. Like, no. There's an implicit fear. Like, and it's not even something that I was aware of um, until maybe uh, like maybe when I was in the military right because I was never really I'm not a big gun guy Um, even when I was in the military I wasn't a big gun guy Um, but I was transporting um, weapons for the military from point A to point B um, due to like some sort of training and I was in uniform and everything. Uh, like I was in a government vehicle and everything was, everything was on the up and up. However, cop pulled alongside me, like looked over at me. I looked at him. And just for a second, the pitter patter of my heartbeat started going up. Because I'm like, yo, I got, I got guns in here. And like, if he sees one of them, he might get afraid. Like, and he might not care that I'm military at the time. Like, do you think my counterparts had that same fear in the vehicle? Because I wasn't alone. There was a white guy in the passenger seat. Did he have that same fear? Nah. He was just vibing to the music. He was just vibing. Like, Uh me, I'm over here thinking about surviving. Right. (laughs) So, I mean, there is a privilege. You may not be able to cash it in. It's It's not a coupon. No, but what it is, is a membership of the fear the fear free club and your all your expenses are paid to that fear free fear free club but for me to live fear free there there is a fee and and even the richest amongst us still have to live in fear exactly and so at the end of the day it's not about class it's not about uh, it's not about where you live it's not about what you do like, I know politicians who are black that still get pulled over. I, I know that there are athletes who are black who are still unfairly targeted. Um, if you're a rapper, you know yeah. all about, like, the squads. Like, for instance, in New York, there's a squad dedicated to trapping uh, rap moguls and rappers within the city. So these things exist because of this privilege on the other side. 
So I, I, I kind of don't want to hear your arguments about why, like, oh, I don't have privilege. You do. And if you don't know that you do, you still do because you don't even have to acknowledge the fact that you have it. How wonderful yeah. is that? Must be nice. Must be nice. Yeah. And, 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 and I agree with you. But they, get, they cash it in every night when they, get, when they, go, when they put their head on their pillow. You know, they cash it in when they don't have to worry about little Johnny, uh, little Becky, you know, um, being pulled over by the police. You know, yeah. it may not be something that, you know, you can put into your bank account, but you definitely can live off of it. Well, black folks don't, you know, we yeah. can't live. You know, so um, I agree with you 100%. You know, and the fact that, you know, what you just said about New York having a squad or a task force, you know, just for a specific group of people. It makes me think about drug task force, gang task force, things like that. And basically, those are code words for hunters who are, are targeting black men. Because how many stories that we heard about um, um, task force breaking into the wrong house, you know, and killing someone? This, this actually this, happened to a black woman uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, in Louisville, yeah. In Louisville, uh, right down the road. Um, she was an EM, she was a uh, EMT, yeah. you know, law-abiding citizen, you know, and uh, busted in her door, shot her eight times, killed her. Young, beautiful black woman who was living right, but she became victim of of a circumstance because they busted in the wrong way. You know, and the, so guy that they were looking, the guy they were looking for was already in jail. Already in custody. Already in custody. So when I hear words like, um, you know, task force and um, certain squads and things like that, all it is, man, they hunt. They hunt for it. You know, and it goes yeah. back to that privilege of me standing on a corner waiting for Uber, waiting for an Uber driver versus a, a white man. And, and heaven forbid it's someone your age. You know, I, I might get a little get away with it a little bit because of the gray hair and everything, but your age and, and, and Donovan Gray, you know, um, it's you're, you're targets, man. You're yeah. targets. And and this on my situation is is proof putting of it. Yeah, and I used to think that because I'm like because the way I speak, um, and the way I present myself, um, that it's like some kind of defense against that. No, it's really not. Um, and not to not to harp too too much on that part, but this transitions us perfectly. Um, this transitions us perfectly perfectly into the talk, and it like and we're gonna get to the more fun parts of being black later on. But like I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about the talk, um, mm-hmm. and we're not talking about sex. We're talking about the talk that par- like parents of black children have to have with their kids about law enforcement. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't know that this talk exists, but and a lot of people they don't need to have that talk. Some kids just get it, right? But uh, but for me, I I never was given that talk. It's probably because my mom had me locked up all the time. Like she, she like I was getting grounded <laughs> for anything. And it was for my protect. I didn't know, but she was scared. So she was grounding me for my protection because I was in the years where it would have been dangerous for me to be out. So she used yeah. to ground like, wow, the trash isn't out? Grounded for three weeks. Like, yo, man, this is the longest prison sentence ever. 
she was trying to protect me from having to give me that talk that hey Dante you're black and they're gonna get you as a matter of fact she did give me the talk one time she did give me the talk and it was because of who I was dating I was dating a white woman uh, in South Carolina and um, something had happened in Georgia um, a few years prior where um, this black guy was dating a, a, a white woman and uh, like they were kids they were teenagers and uh, he was this great football player he had this future ahead of him and um, things didn't go well between them she said he raped her he went to jail don't pass go don't collect $200 don't collect $200 straight to jail years later it was found that she lied he lost his freedom he lost his childhood he lost his opportunities he lost his future future his life because he didn't know how to like and it's it sucks to say this he didn't know how to maneuver in that space but the fact that he had to be taught how to maneuver in that space that's crazy yeah yeah so when we talk about the talk um the talk is just having that conversation with your kid about law enforcement and how to interact with them so my question um for my father here is have you had to have the talk and what was the talk like for you uh when you were a kid okay first question yes i've uh given the talk to your brother and sister and i'm sitting here when you were talking trying to remember my father and my mother having the talk with me and I can only remember my father telling me that when you don't think anybody's watching there's somebody watching he said and you have to be careful about who's watching I remember him telling me that he said you will never be treated like your white counterpart so you have to be better you have to be smarter you have to be articulate like get when you're with your friends you want to you know talk all that gibbity yap that was his word gibbity yap um but talk all that gibbity yap but um when white folks come around you need to conduct yourself a certain way he said your life could depend on it and that was the extent of the talk you know but i um i watched my father maneuver and and the way he conducted himself itself and um it, it kind of gave me a, a blueprint on what to do, you know. Yeah. Uh, I did have a run-in with the police officer at a young age. I was, uh, I think I was 14 years old, 14 or 15, I think it was 15. I had a moped, and um, I think I maybe told you this before about police officer pull, pulling over, and you had to be 16 to be on a moped, and he threatened me, and, uh, you know, told me he would take my moped and pretty much give it to his kids, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I was taught to always say yes, sir, no, sir. Even if you don't like the person, you know, thank you, yep. you're welcome. You know, uh, make sure you're, make sure your speech is impeccable. That's what my Absolutely. mother said. Be impeccable with your speech, you know. Um, and as far as giving it to your brother and sister, and your brother and your sister, you know, um, both days, people of the opposite race, you know, um, yeah. white. And um, I was, I was, um, I was terrified for my son, for Donovan, your brother. And um, because we live in a, in a small country town. Uh, we're not really small, but 
smaller than Louisville. And um, people are great, you know, and and, and and white folks, you know, my son was a star football player. A lot of people knew him. Um, but the fact that he was with this white girl and, and going to parties and stuff like that, I was scared naturally. And I, and I would tell him, I said, man, you can't do the things that you would normally do, you know, if you had a sister on your arm. With, with the white girl, man, you know, yeah. tell you, I said, argument into an argument, you know, things could go in a whole nother direction, you know. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, um, and I know it may be wrong for me to say, but um, I was happy when that relationship ended, you know, and I'm just being honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. My daughter, on the other hand, um, who is presently engaged to be married, um, it's different but yet the same with the daughter you know because it all be it all man i'm gonna get in trouble <laughs> no no you get man <laughs> I'm gonna make it. Right. um all right you, i grew up in a predominantly militant black powerful family you know my my mother and father very very um, pro-black grandfather historic, historically pro-black one of the first black drill sergeants you know so he I, I was raised in this environment that pro-black black meant to promote blackness you know you do you, you do everything and one of the ways you promote blackness is to pro-create blackness and uh, so um with my daughter, a whole lot of um, emotions and feelings come into play. You know, a lot of historical stereotypes. You know, um, I, we talk about the Loving case uh, in Virginia, you know, where yeah. a white man went to court to marry a black woman, but could a black man have gone to court to marry a white woman? They would have hung him on the step. Nope. <laughs> nope. Uh, and, and although I've grown to delight the young man that um, my daughter is controlled uh, to, um, I still have concerns, you know, that I won't go into right now. But um, it is a very dangerous and dicey situation when, in my opinion, that when you date the opposite sex, I mean, date the opposite race. Um, yeah. And a talk is definitely needed. And whether, and you hope that your children um, embrace and take seriously what you're saying. You know, because yeah. I know there were moments where, where both of my, uh, my son and my daughter were both, you know, like, there he goes on that militant, on that area. What Donovan would say, I go Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. Turn it to Malcolm again. You know, and. It really wasn't. It wasn't that I was trying to become Malcolm X or anything like that. I'm trying to keep y'all alive. Trying to yeah, get y'all to, to, to navigate that obstacle course called Black Life. And it's hard. It's really hard to see, especially because you have this generation that has this belief that, oh well, racism is going to be over because of us. And I used to think like that too. Like no, I used you to. <laughs> yeah. Like I used to think, oh, like we're about to end this, right? Like, we've elected Obama. We're, like, this generation's gonna end racism. Watch us. And 
Wow, is that dumb? Wow, is that naive? That's the word, naive. I wouldn't say dumb. I'd say naive. You know, that was just a little naive. But... And and I I understand uh, where you're coming from. Uh, like, and I wasn't really big into uh, black power, um, so to speak, when I was younger. As a matter of fact, I thought black separatism, black power, um, was anti—sorry, anti- uh, uh, it was the antithesis of what we needed to create change. Um, and as I'm as I'm getting older, um, I'm not that old, but I got a little gray here and there. I um, noticed. As I'm getting older, I'm thinking that there has to be a promotion of black life. Um, and you can call it uh, Black Lives Matter. I usually don't. Um, right. Um, I just say, like, the way I, I, I don't like buzzwords. I, I'm not a fan. Um, I just think that there has to be there has to be a movement with strength and with coordination and with knowledge of what, what you want the end goal to be. You never go into a negotiation and not know what you're going to accept, accept at the end. Um, and I just think like aimless promotion of black life only ends up in people taking advantage of movements. Um, so with that being said, when you're talking about uh, my brother and sister um, maneuvering the way they maneuver um, when they were younger, um, and they're still very young um, as opposed to now, like I, I can see myself in the way they think, and I can see myself in the way they maneuver. And the only thing that I can say to those of you that are a little bit younger than me, because I'm like I'm only 33, um, is it's kind of like what your what your father told you, which is that everybody's watching. What I would also say is, like, no matter how polite you are, no matter how how eloquent you are, articulate, um, articulate you are, um, people, people's idea of you was created prior to your existence or prior to you, your their awareness of your existence. So you can do whatever you want. You can say whatever you want. You can wear whatever you want. But this will always be what it is. Um, so yeah, maneuver accordingly, but also start trying to create a community or uh, invite people into the community and educate them. Um, exactly. So um, I I was one of those people who, um, like I said, I was dating a, 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 white, a white teenager. Uh, when I or when I was young, and we were, you know, all lovey-dovey and all that stuff, and, and we're in South Carolina, and people were mad, mad, uh, and I was like, I was like, yeah, get mad, like I'm right here, I'm right yeah. here, like you, I, you I were, want all, you were, you would antagonize people, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I like, I felt like, yo, like I want all the smoke, like because you're gonna come at me and I'm gonna give it to you raw. Like, and you're going to hate it, but you can't do anything about it. And that's that youth invincibility complex that you think, oh, they can't do it. Oh, no, they could. They could get you. Like, yeah. And, yeah. But now, and, and now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm engaged uh, to a Japanese woman. Uh, I still 
I still feel like, yo, anyone can get it. Um, but how I give it to you is going to be a little bit different. Um, I'm trying to educate. Um, because even in Japan, I'm a minority too. Everywhere we go, we're a minority. Um, and so the way I, I go about it here is education. Um, they only know what they see on TV or you know what they're exposed to. Um, so is there a black community here in Japan? Yeah, there absolutely is. Um, and I can, we can get into more of that later. Uh, but the opinions that derive from that black community is really, it depends. Um, we have Jamaicans here, we have Nigerians here. Um, and so like what's going on in their communities is different than what's going on in the American black community. And the, black, the American black experience and education is just different. And every day I'm teaching my fiance about being black. And I think that the best thing that my little brother and my little sister could do is continue to educate their counterparts on being black, not ignore the fact that they're black because they are with someone who's not. Because a lot of people get into that mindset that they think they can do it. And I'm talking to you, Candace Owens. You think that because you're with somebody who's yeah. not black, it doesn't apply to you anymore. I promise you, in Miss, if you just rolled around in Mississippi to somebody who just doesn't know you, who just didn't see you on Fox News, right? just because you're with a white guy, you think that's gonna protect you? It's not. Like, you are who you are no matter who you're with. Like, so you need to start educating them about you and about your right. community because yeah. you're not safe otherwise. And, and, to, and to my daughter, to, you, to your sister's credit, she has attempted to educate her counterpart. Um, Donovan, on the other hand, um, my youngest, he, he's coming into his, his um, militancy to some degree. Uh, yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. And, and, and I can't, um, I ain't gonna lie, I'm proud. You know, <laughs> I, li- I, like, I like that. I like it. You know, but everything I said about Black Power, the, the movement, things of that nature, you hit it on the head when you said educate. You know, because we can't do our, do this all by ourselves. Um, I remember writing a paper in um, a sociology two class. Um, we had to come up with a theory and write a paper about it. So um, the professor pulled me to the side and said, "Hey, I got I got the perfect theory for you." You know, and I'm like, "What?" He said, "It's called the racial formation theory." And what the racial formation theory is. It goes straight to what you were talking about. When the, there's a preconceived idea about an individual's race that's already set in their mind. An example, um, let's take it to the classroom. You have a white teacher, you have a mixed class, but in the back of the classroom, there's a majority of black students. The teacher hears a noise. She's hurrying down or back to the chalkboard, or she's facing the chalkboard back to the class. She automatically assumes that it's one of the black kids in the back of the class that's disturbing the class. That's the racial formation theory. You've already formulated an idea and an opinion um, about a group of people, and regardless of what happens, you automatically assume that that's in, that's that individual. Where education, where education comes in, we have to educate our white brothers, our white brothers and sisters to debunk this racial formation theory, you know? And we don't educate them by pretending that we're something that we're not. 
to educate them on why we are who we are and what we are. Yes. Who we are and who we are are two different people. You know what I'm saying? I am who I am. But what I am at any given time throughout my 50 years has been different. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So we have to educate a white counterpart that who we are and what we are. That just because you see a young black male with his hat to the back, you know, um, standing on a corner with a bag in his hand, doesn't mean that bag has drugs in it. That bag could have books in it. Yeah. You know, that he could be on his way to class. You know, yep. and just because you see these different um, stereotypes and uh, socially constructive ideas, you know, play out, it doesn't mean what you see is who they are. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that like that leads right into the discussion about allies, um, because like I do believe that like part of the black experience is it like being black is creating a tribe. Um, and I, I believe that everywhere you go, the first thing you should do, and this is kind of a, a survival um, mentality kind of thing, um, but you should create a pack everywhere you go. Like, and it shouldn't be just black people, like which, like I know there's a propensity to stick with people who look like you. Like, right. but everywhere you go, you need to be creating a pack. You need to be finding your tribe, like because that's where you're going to derive power. That's where you're, you're, you're going to derive strength. Um, and you need to be educating each other because like when you're talking about the classroom experience that um, the theory um, behind that, you don't know that implicitly. And if you do know that, you know, okay, yo, we're in a classroom. Hey, let's swear. We can hang out afterwards, but let's sprinkle ourselves around this classroom so we don't get unfairly targeted we can actually learn instead right. of being in the situation like and i do that all the time here in japan you will rarely see me uh with a bunch of other foreigners mm. like, this isn't just a being black thing for me like you'll you'll rarely see me with a group of foreigners around me why because i know that if that that occurrence happens everyone is focused on us everything is tr everyone's trying to find something wrong with us everyone is judging us but if i sprinkle myself in now i'm seen as the individual and now they're having to judge who i am very specifically by what i'm doing exactly. so i think that i think that people people need to when they go to a new area they should find a bunch of diverse people and educate them about your experience, educate them about your path that got you to this point. Um, because what that does is that spreads out this idea of what it is to be black. And if, if more people understand what it is, what it means, um, the threats that being black um, has, like has just from existence, um, then I think that you'll see less people saying, well, what was he doing in that house? Like, why was he looking at that house under construction? Right. You'll see less people saying, well, we don't know the whole story, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you, right. you, you don't need to know the whole story. Right. So. And, I, and, and I agree with you 100%. However, there's, there's one obstacle that stands in the way 
of, of, of what you said, what you're suggesting about you know being the one person who goes into a group that's not all like him. You have to be comfortable with who you yeah. are. But, you know, um, it took me a lot. Well, I don't think it took me a long time. Actually, it took me until I was about maybe 14 or 15 to be comfortable being black all by myself. You know, um, around about the time I started dating is when I was okay with being black. I didn't need to run with a pack. I didn't need to run with a crew of of uh, of people who look like me. You know, your grandfather used, your great grandfather used to say, "Just because you my color, don't make you my kind." You know, oof. <laughs> and you know, just because you're my kind don't mean you my color. You know, and yeah. uh, your great grandfather, <laughs> he had a saying. You know, uh, when your great grandmother had a saying about your great grandfather, he liked very few people. He liked no animals and very few people. Be lucky that you one of that he likes. You know, and he meant that, and she meant that about him. You know, so you have to be okay with being black by yourself. You know, and by doing so, you have to be able to have an open enough mind to allow yourself to experience and to experiment with new ideas and new people. You know, yeah. and um, I've been fortunate to travel all over the world and and um, and, and meet interesting people, you know, uh, sleeping in a bunk or in a, in a GP medium tent, you know, next to a guy from South Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, you know, all these places that you don't even think about existing, you know, and yep. be able to cultivate relationships with them, honest relationships. Um, yep. There was a white guy in high school um, named David that uh, me and him were photographers together you know, on the yearbook staff. And um, we would spend, you know, two or three periods in a dark room developing films, things of that nature. And we got to be real cool, you know. He was like the Zach Morris of our, of, of our high school, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and Dave was cool, but he was cool with who he was. And he accepted me for who I was, you know, at that time. You know, so I think it's important in order for us to educate you know, not only our own brothers and sisters, but, you know, our white brothers and sisters, that we have to be okay with who we are. Yeah, and that's actually kind of difficult. Like, uh, you were talking about having an open mind. Um, it's important to have an open mind. It's also important to know when to close your mind because you're letting in things that could poison you. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that that's a special balance. And like, and, and people are gonna kind of balk at the idea of me saying, you need to know when to close your mind. Um, because not every idea is a good idea. No, um, no. And, and so I think that sometimes like, you know, we, it's really important that you steal yourself and you understand yourself first. Because if you put yourself in these situations before you understand yourself, before you understand your situation, um, you can really be a danger to yourself and actually, you could be a danger to the entire community. Um, exactly. And I, how do I mean that? Like, and I'm going to use her again as an example, <laughs> simply because she's the most prominent example of this as um, I can find. And again, this is Ms. Candace Owens. Um, she's a danger to the community. And why is she a danger to the community? Because I don't think she understands the amount of damage that she does by 
being the black rubber stamp for all the things that are happening to us. Now, she does it in a political atmosphere where she thinks that um, her politics will protect her from being black. Um, and and we have some, like, I, I don't agree with 95% of the things that she agrees with politically. However, she did say something like, and this happens every once in a while, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. She said something that, that was quite smart, and it was that we need to start separating ourselves from the politics of our, of our parents and start thinking for ourselves. And I absolutely agree with that idea. Um, I, I do think that there is, there is something to separating yourself from just your parents' politics and really understanding why you believe what you believe. However, you need to understand that before you open your mind back up. Because if you don't understand what and who you are, and then you start letting all of these other ideas in, you'll never know what or who you are. And you'll constantly be searching for a piece that ever eludes you because you're just, you're a leaf in the wind. Wow, like you're not, yeah, you're not solidified by this tree of knowledge. No, you're all over the place. So yeah. I think, I think what you said was really important. Like, I think that people, that people absolutely need to know themselves um, and they need to know who they are. Um, I just think they also need to close, like sometimes they need to close themselves off until they do. Yeah. And, 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 and for, it's, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah. And it comes with maturity and, and, you know, a whole lot of trial and error. You know, yeah. you can open your mind when possibly put a screen door on it, you know, yeah. uh, where you can kind of see what's coming and you can sit with the information that you already have. I like what you said, because at first I was like, yeah, of course you should divorce yourself from your parents' uh, uh, politics. You know, I was like, yeah. yeah. I figured you would say something like that. But yeah. I get what you're saying because you need to know why. You need yeah. to know the issues and outs. You know, uh, as, as militant as I may come across to some, some people, I am not my father. And I am definitely not my grandfather. Yeah. You know, what they went through in their lifetime is nothing compared to what I've been through. However, yeah. I am aware. I am aware of what they've gone through. They shared it with me. And I take that information, use it, use it as needed. But I don't try to reenact it. Yeah. You know, um, I have my own life experiences to draw from. And as black men, we are constantly accumulating life experiences that we should use, not only yeah. for home betterment, but, uh, but also to educate and help bring along the next generation and the people across the aisle from us. Yeah, and I, I think that it's really difficult sometimes for people to to reach across um, the aisle, especially when you have um, situations like this, um, like the Ahmad Albury um, shooting and um, the shooting there in, in Louisville of the EMT. Like, how can I open my hand to somebody that closes his fist to me? And I'm not telling you to do that. We're not telling you to do that. We don't want you to reach out um, you know, to enemies like and, and the people who are hunting you. That's not what we're saying. So let me go ahead and stop. All the, the people out there that are like, oh, like you want us to be soft. That's not what I'm saying. 
I want you to be focused and I want you to be strategic about who you talk to. Like, I want your, like, I want your mind to be open to the possibility that you can change and help somebody else's mind. Now, we're talking about making allies. You can't make allies out of allies. Like, of course, you have to find enemies. You have to find the people that are the, the, the moderates that Martin Luther King were talking about. Find those, like, find those moderate people, those neutral, neutral people, those pragmatic people and make them allies by educating them about your experience. But you have to be honest with yourself about your experience. And some people, some people don't experience what, like what they're seeing on TV. TV. Like some of you are very lucky out there. You never experienced these things. So you don't have direct knowledge of it. So you can't, you can't do um, a lot of the talking when it comes to these situations. However, with, with that being said, you are connected to somebody who knows. Ask someone. You want to be an ally? Ask questions. Right. Like, you want to make allies? Give people your experiences. Like, and we have so many platforms to do that. This, this podcast, Dopio, is of course a platform for that. And we're going to be doing a lot of that. Um, we're going to be making allies in different situations. We're not talking about black to black allies. We're talking about rich to poor allies. We're talking about uh, people who've never left the country to, pe- to foreign people allies. We're making allies out of everybody. Right. Um, we want everyone to be a regular here on Dopey. Mm-hmm. But when I'm talking about your platform, y'all all have Facebook. Y'all all have Instagram. Y'all all have TikTok. Some of you young people. Um, y'all have all of the all of these ways to connect with people right you need to be out there giving people your experiences and your your answers and your your time so that they can become what they need to become to help us all heal right and i couldn't have said it any better you know we we have to cultivate more allies. We have to be willing to. Um, I was saying once um, there was a guy that was an instructor of mine. He said that my job is to disturb the comfort and comfort the disturbed. You know, and you said because when you're disturbed, when you're out of your comfort zone. You know, that's when you really reveal who you are. Yeah, you know, absolutely. when you're at home sitting in your easy chair, drinking out of your favorite mug, whatever, whatever. But when you've been rattled, that'll tell who you are. And sometimes, yeah. and you're right, you don't, no one walks into the forest and walks up to a bear and hugs them. No, we're not telling you to do that on Tokyo. We don't want you to hug yep. any bear. You know, don't yeah. go pet any lion. You know, yeah. however, if a deer walks up to you, Give it some information. Open yourself up a little bit. You're talking about, you know, don't bear everything. You know, you have ribs for a reason. You know, um, stay protected. But open yourself up and be willing to uh, have a ton of uncomfortable conversation into something that's comfortable. You know, and we know that that race, especially here in America, um, can be and usually is an uncomfortable conversation. For both yeah. sides. 
However, if we don't disturb the comfort, we could never become comfortable with each other. You know, absolutely. And, uh, and I and I and I encourage people to do that. You know, uh, in the beginning, and I'll be first admitted when I used to see my daughter with a white guy, it troubled me. You know, not just because he's a white guy, but what it could mean. You know, yeah. for her. You know, yeah. And um, I just think that. But now, watching her conversate with him and educate him showing him movies and them having discussions and me and him having discussions I can't help but to be encouraged you know yeah. um, I think of some of the relationships that I've had over you know my many years you know um, with people about the race um, I've had more great encounters and I will say great encounters than bad ones you know um, so I, I, I highly encourage and, and, and once we do begin this, like, situations like, you know, the Tamir Rice, the Trayvon Martins, and, you know, the, the Sandra Bland, and, yep. unfortunately, this, this recent one with the mod, will become, will start to drift away. You know, we have to yeah. build our lives. You know, we have to have, and I'll say it, white folks that are willing to speak up against what they see happening to their black to us to their black brothers and sisters you know, just like we yeah. would be with speak up if something went wrong in a white neighborhood yeah absolutely and I think that like what what we're seeing is we're seeing the greatest period of pain for the black not the greatest period but we're seeing a period of great pain for the black community um, but what we're also seeing is an opportunity to educate people and I, I really do believe um, that we should seize on this opportunity um, to do so because the culture, the black culture, and that's what we're going to get into next. Um, um, the black culture is very inviting. Uh, we, mm. we love to invite people into the culture, <laughs> but we should make people, we, we should charge people a fee for that. And that fee should be understanding where we're coming from. That should but, be the, the, the key. Let me ask you something. Do we invite people into the black culture or is the black culture sometimes hijacked? Both. Both. Okay. Okay. Like, okay. And I don't want to get too much into like my, my anger about like uh, like some of the culture, like the entertainment culture, things like that. Um, the, the entertainment culture has made it seem like everyone's a part of everyone's a part of the black community that's not it um no, i think yeah. that what i think what the culture is um what the culture is is the everything derived from being black every everything derived from the black community um so um our music is our culture like and everyone loves it. Everyone bites off of it. I mean, when you think about all the all the acts these days, they certainly are getting popular from us. However, um, I don't think that enough is being done to educate people about the black experience. So, um, I think that you know you can have people enjoying Lil Yachty or. Uh, Kendrick Lamar 
which it's funny, like I hear people enjoying Kendrick Lamar, but they don't understand that he's talking about a uniquely black experience and they're not learning from it. They just say, oh, I like his rap, but you're not listening to what he's saying. Um, right. But that's, that's another, another story. Um, yeah, um, I think that we need to do a better job of educating people about where this music is coming from where these movies are coming from and why it's so unique to our community and why y'all love it so much. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Um, but like, and, and then to take it a step further, you know, we need to start putting people on and, and this in, in our own community too. We need to start putting people on to black educators. And I'm not being self-promoting. Uh, uh, I'm not talking about me. Uh, I'm st- I still got a ways to go before I consider myself a community educator. Um, I think I'm more like a community facilitator. Um, but what I think that we need to be able to do is direct people to uh, Black leaders um, that can speak widely um, to the Black experience that can um, give people um, some Black education. Um, so, um, I, I think that it would be nice if there were some people out there and I mean, of course I can say Nina Turner, but more political. Um, and, and that's what I, I was just, I was kind of just like, who's, who's out there that, I mean, I think, you should, I think you don't have to do it now. You can look at historical documents. Like, I mean, I don't just say Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, though I, I do subscribe to reading works from both of them. Um, mm-hmm. There are other people that they can seek. And this is kind of in, in your in your field of expertise. Um, give the people some people they need to look at. I mean, you um, as far as like reading goes, you can't go wrong with Langston Hughes. You can't go wrong with the works of um, uh, the writings and the information of, of Marcus Garvey, uh, um, Mecca Evers, um, any, any, I won't say revolutionary, but their ideas were revolutionary at the time. You can, um, you can latch on to. Um, here recently, we, uh, we witnessed um, some white men on the on courthouse steps with firearms trying to get back to work, you know, but that was not get me. back to work. Yeah, um, Huey Huey Newton, you know, uh, they did that, you know, and that's what brought about the amendments to the Second Amendment. You know, um, the right to bear arms—they was exercising the right to bear arms, but they were uh, penalized for it. So yeah. there, there are a lot of people that we can look back on, or we can look over to, you know. There's a guy that I follow on um, on Twitter named Jason Reynolds. He um, he uh, wrote a book. Well, he rewrote a book called Stamp from the Beginning. One of my new yeah. favorites. Um, he uh, he put it in education form. He's an educator, and yeah. um, he put it in education form. But he he, he lets people know at the beginning that uh, this is not going to read like a history book, but it yeah. is history. You know, so um, I would highly recommend people to uh, follow and uh, check out him. You know, so, but there are a lot of things that we can do. 
in order to to lift ourselves up and to bring ourselves in and together with other people. You know, yeah. and uh, you as an educator, and I think that's a great topic for another day, education and um, how we can expand our bound upon it. But um, we have to find a way in order to to move us in a direction, to move us away from the direction that we're in. You know, yeah. Because this has been, you know, here um, in Kentucky, well, Louisville has been one of the most, one of the most deadliest and violent weekends that we've had in a while. You know? Yeah. And it goes back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago about knowing who you are. I mean, yeah. if we knew who we were, a lot of the acts we do, and in present company included, have done, uh, would never take place. Would have never taken place. You know, knowledge itself is 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 necessary. You know, and that is one of the things that I wish I would have done more of as a parent was to instill instead of talking about you know Malcolm and Martin and Megger and Emmett and you know so yeah. and so forth um, give them an idea of who they are you know and um, in the mix of all of them you know? yeah so self awareness is very important and so like and that like and with all the heavy um, I kind of wanted to like take it to the cultural light part and that's like being black has like an incredible amount of advantages because just seeing the um, seeing the things that we creatively come up with um, everyone's biting off of that like everyone wants to be a part of that everyone wants to to experience um, this culture um, and it's it's cool like especially when I look at TikTok and I see like my Japanese students on TikTok doing black dances when hip hop dance is like the most popular thing in my school mm-hmm. like that's it's it's crazy to me but it's also humbling because like wow like the culture is so pervasive that it's now just pop culture. Um, now it's a great thing, but it's also kind of a dangerous thing in the sense that we're kind, we can lose it to other people that are saying they're part of the culture, but they're really not. <laughs> Takashi Six Nine Rat. Um, but yeah, but <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's a little. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, yeah. But like, I think that. Like, I think that it's really cool that um, that it's gotten to the point that the culture is, well, it's everywhere. Um, and being black is cool to some extent. I just think that, I just think that people, people should understand that that cool comes with a cost. Like, there you go. And, and it's costing people lives. And sometimes the cool is people talking about real stuff that's happened to them yeah. like so I, I referenced Kendrick Lamar earlier you know where he came from like he came from Compton right. like and what he had to live through like is in his music it's in his story it's not just beats and samples no right. it's poetry and so like 
you're experiencing and you're enjoying and you're dancing to this culture and to these messages that you're not listening to. So like I encourage people to educate themselves about who they're listening to and where they came from. Because I think like that we could use the culture to educate people about the experience. Everyone loves Ice Cube, but not everybody knows where Ice Cube came from because now he's a family actor. Like, oh, he's in 22 Jump Street, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street now. Oh, he uh, he was in this Disney movie, that family movie. Mm-hmm. No, nah, we well, he's I that agree. he's that dude though. He's so boy. Yeah. You know, and I I mean I like what you're saying, but I'm not where you are yet with that. You know, yeah. I see people um, endearing themselves to the culture, you know, the dancing and, you know, um, and for some reason, when you were saying that, I was thinking about, not thinking about, but the thought of Kim Kardashian came to mind. And yeah. um, my wife was showing me an article a while back about Kim Kardashian wearing box braids. And yeah. my wife told me, she said, She's calling these blocks right. They number cornrows. You know, you know yeah. I heard cornrows yeah. out when we were kids because, you know, it, they would grease our scales and cornrows and cornrows out. And, and now she's making it in, like she just invented it. You know? Yeah. And, and I think she's done this before mom. with, she's done this before with kimonos in Japan and Japan flipped out. And Japan doesn't flip out about anything. Right. So my issue with that is, Man, enjoy the culture. You know, um, embrace the culture. But do your back study. You know, understand that, you know, you wearing these cornrows, why are these box breaks or whatever? You know, what's the origin story? You know, same thing that you said with Ice Cube, Kendrick, Snoop. uh, Well, Snoop was a gangbang. You know, know, while you're sitting there trying to crip walk, understand the story behind crip walk, where the crips came from. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So all these things, this hijacking, uh, this consuming of the culture, you know, I agree with you when they need to do their study on it and, and understand the message behind it. You know, yeah. Ice Cube is, is CEO of the Big Three Basketball League. But yeah. Ice Cube used to be a young black man growing up in the streets of Compton, um, being harassed for walking down the street and having to deal with gangs and stuff like that. If you don't yeah. take all of me, I would rather you not have none of me. Yeah. You know what I'm I, saying? Boom. There it is. There it is. Right there. Like, so you want to enjoy the culture. You want it, the fruits of the culture, but like, but a lot of you don't want to help plant and fertilize and nurture and, and, and protect this orchard that, the, that you're picking the fruit from. Everybody wants to take a bite of the apple. But nobody wants to water the damn tree. You know, you see, you see what's going on in these black communities, these food deserts and all of that. Don't be rolling down the street um, playing the latest uh, little whoever, and but yet you don't want to speak up the next time there's a town hall meeting on putting um, a Kroger's or putting a food market in in, in the hood. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Don't come to me talking about man. I, you know, um, AOG. I, I had a young white kid call me OG the other day, 
and I told her, look daddy, now no offense up. First of all, I'm not your OG because you don't grow up under me. I'm not your uncle because I ain't your mama's other uh, other son. I mean your grandmother's other son. You know. So don't call me up, don't call me OG. You know what I'm saying? You can call me mister, or you can just speak, simply say, excuse me, to get my attention. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yo, that's that's <laughs> presumptuous as hell. Yo, hey yeah. OG. Yeah, I'm, because I'm walking around, you know, I have like 20 black t-shirts and I love the Raiders. So I guess you think you're associate. No, I'm actually a fan of the Raiders. You know, I don't wear this because Cube wore it. This is yeah. me, you know. But and he, and he apologized. He went right back to he was trying to do a rep, but he went right back to who. He was. Excuse me, so I apologize. I didn't mean to offend you in any way. I was just trying to get your attention. You know, I'm like, nah, just be who you are, man. Just be yeah. who you are. And, and 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 trust me, I will not overlook you, I will acknowledge you, and I will respect you. You know, yeah. but don't play with something if you're not prepared to pay the cost for it. Yeah. You know, and some, sometimes the cost is something as simple as showing up, man. Just show up. And let us know, okay, yeah, you like my, you like our music, you like our style, you dig our culture, then show up. Now, show up when, when, uh, when uh, something like what happened with Ahmad Aubrey happened. Show up. Let us hear your voice too. Yeah, and it matters. Yeah, and I think that there, like, there is a slow rumbling, a slow and low rumbling of um, uh, non-black allies that are out there, especially on this situation. Um, I think because everyone's in quarantine, people are consuming a lot more social media and things like this are getting rolling faster. Yeah. Um, so I think that what we can do um, is just continue to promote people um, being informed and, you know, each one teach one, um, as it were. So like I, I and like I said, I, I'm in Japan and, you know, my students ask, ask about black culture all the time because they consume black media. Um, so like I posted some Kendrick Lamar and my students just hit me up in Japanese like they done it like who is that like and I'm like oh, okay this is a chance for me to teach them something and so like I have to think for a second in Japanese like and then boom I pop I put something in like oh he's someone who grew up in a really bad neighborhood but got out of it because he worked hard and because he believed in himself like you can learn something from Kendrick like you can learn something from J. Cole. You can learn, like, and I'm really big on using what's popular to teach uh, character-driven lessons because we have models in this community. We don't just have, you know, rappers. We have, we have storytellers that can teach people. So um, I, I wanted to make sure that, like, um, that whatever I'm doing, I'm doing the same thing. I'm teaching people um, as they're consuming the culture to understand the culture as well. And I think that's, you know, if you're going to be black, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, living and, you know, fighting. Um, it's teaching and spreading. Like you said it yourself, you said pro-black is procreating black. I think you can, yeah. Yeah, I think pro-black is also promoting black and proliferating black ideas. Like so, that, proliferating. Yeah, I like. So, that. like, so, I, like, I think that everywhere I go, 
I'm proliferating ideas that I've learned through my 33 years of existence in the game of life. Yeah. So, um, and I think that um, um, if you can understand that, if you can understand that, um, that you have a greater responsibility um, than just yourself, but to your community, um, then you're already ahead of the game. And if you don't understand that yet, that's cool. Keep listening to Dopio. Like, we're gonna, we're gonna get you up on game and you'll be just right there. You'll be right there, ready to interact with your community um, in ways that makes it more healthy, not just if you're black, but just being who you are. Right. So, and and, and I, I couldn't have said it any better, you know. Um, and hopefully as time goes on uh, and our form and platform grows, you know, we will be able to... Um, to, to not only entertain but to continue to educate and 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 I've always been a proponent of the phrase of of saying each one teach one you yeah. know and um, and hopefully uh, we can inspire others to, to begin to create their own platform and to do as we do not necessarily uh, two other uh, black father and sons but maybe white father and sons you know we can we can do this thing together man and, and yeah and absolutely um and that I, I guess that um that gets us to the end this week i wanted to give some information out about dopio um since since you guys are here um right uh this uh beginning this week i'm going to be doing some interviews with some of you who have reached out um to be a part of um dopio i'm not we're not no one's getting replaced uh but this is a separate part of dopio called cold press uh, or sorry, cold brew, and what cold brew is? It's a, it's a, it's going to be a conversation um, with some people out there in their own communities, some people out there in industries that we believe uh, need to be cultivated and information needs to be derived. We have, I have a financial planner that I'll be interviewing. Um, I have uh, someone, a community leader who's also a rapper out there uh, in his community who I'll also be interviewing, um, as well as. Uh, some teachers, some people in ministry, uh, just a bunch of different people from different communities, different walks of life, different colors as well, um, to give us more perspective um, so that we can continue to wake you up in a different way. For those of you coffee drinkers out there, uh, a, a cold pre- our cold brew is overnight seeping of, of th- those coffee grounds and what you get in the morning it's cold and it's strong and again it'll wake you up so um that that's coming to you um coming to us pretty soon um we're still going to be doing um these conversations every week um you're just going to get a little bonus extra uh every every so often um to supplement um the dopio that you're already getting every week um and so um, we're really excited. Um, like I said, the platform's growing. Um, many, uh, many people have been reaching out through Facebook, um, and I know um, a lot of people are asking, "Well, when are you going to talk about this?" or "How can you talk about this?" and so on and so forth. We're 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 getting to it as we can get to it. <laughs> um, I think uh, I like we we've been trying to hit like current events, um, and we did a lot of politics at the beginning. Um, yeah. And that, that's cool, but I think that as we continue to move and grow, um, we're trying to move and grow people, too. Um, so it's exciting. It's, it's kind of crazy, man, because 
when you said in the beginning, there were um, debates going on when we started. You know, there were there were presidential debates going on, and just to think where we've come from since then. I mean, this is episode what 11, 10, 11? 11, 11. 11. You know, so we're 11 strong now, and and the fact that we we are continually growing, you know, speaks volumes on um, on where we're headed and what we're trying to do. You know, as yeah. far as embracing the community and having people come on and speak. So please stay with us, right? Because uh, you know where we're headed is some place that you might want to go with us. You know? Yeah. And, I, and we couldn't do it without you, uh, to be honest. I mean, of course, we are having these conversations because we love talking and we love connecting and sharing our experiences with each other. Mm-hmm. But we're recording this because we wanted to share those experiences with you. And right. we, wanted, we wanted to get, uh, get more people involved in educating and, and having those conversations amongst yourselves. Right. Um, so... So like it, it, it really isn't possible to keep growing without you guys continuing to push out um, comments and and ratings on the podcast stores, um, as well as just sharing um, on social media. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, and I, I think um, with that, uh, do you got anything else for the people? Um, no, I don't really. Um, just just stay with us, man. We're we're we're. Um... Under construction, we're constantly a work in progress. We're always trying to get better. And, um, you know, just stick with us. I'm pretty sure you're going to enjoy it. Dopeo is what Dopeo is, so. Yeah. So, um, to end it, you know, um, I'm going to say, like, you know, no matter how, like, because, you know, Dopeo is a coffee, so no matter how you take it, uh, whether it's dark and bitter or with a little milk, maybe you like it double steamed or... Uh, with ice cream we hope that after after this and having dopio that you're feeling up so uh this has been dopio peace they say